Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, we will finish up our player spotlight on the great Oscar Robinson, the Big O. We'll cover his days with the Milwaukee Bucks, his close playing career, all that he's done, as well as the accolades, and of course, what others say about him. So, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so we are back. We did the first part of our player spotlight on Oscar Robinson. We covered his early life, high school ball, college, and his years with Cincinnati Royals. Now we're going to cover his years with the Milwaukee Bucks, and then we'll go from there, so... So as we ended, yes, he was traded. He was he finally agreed to a trade. In fact, let's put it that way because he had that clause in his contract. And he chose to go to Milwaukee. And he went there for guard Flynn Robinson and forward Charlie Polk. So and many consider Oscar the last puzzle piece for a young team that featured a second-year center by the name of Luau Sender, who we know, of course, as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and a young forward as well in Bobby Dandridge. Now, in coming to Milwaukee, Oscar knew he had to alter his game in order for the team to succeed, and he did just that, guys. In his first season with the Milwaukee Bucks under coach Larry Costello in 1970-71, here's what they did, guys. Oscar played in 81 games, so he was fully healthy, ready to go. Uh, he averaged 19.4 points per game, 8.2 assists, and that's third in the league, guys. Oh, as an aside, I forgot to mention the way they record assists uh, back in the day is different than how they do it now. And the assists back then, you had to be making a move towards the basket. It, you couldn't get an assist if you passed it to a guy who was shooting a jump shot. That wasn't an assist, guys, which I found to be a bit crazy, but that's not how they did it. So imagine how many unrecorded assists he really had. Oh, forget about it. Anyhow, so that's a story for another day. But he was third in the league with 8.2 assists. 5.7 rebounds. So here he didn't have too much rebounding. You got a guy like Kareem and Dandridge he got there as well. So no need for him to worry about that. He shot it. 49.6% from the field. That was 11 in the league, guys. And amongst the top 10 were two of his teammates, Kareem and Dandridge. So, and he shot at 85% from the free throw line. That was second in the league, guys. His team, though, 66 and 16 in his first season there. And that was first in the Midwest. 
And within that sixty, those sixty-six games, they won twenty straight. Guys, the MVP for that season was Kareem, and the NBA champs for that season, the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Milwaukee Bucks reached the apex, guys, and won their first NBA championship. It had a pretty dominant postseason, where in the finals they. Swept the, ironically enough, the Baltimore Bullets, where that's where uh, Kuzi wanted to send Oscar. But uh, he, like I said in the previous episode, he had veto power on trades. So, so they get their first championship. Oscar in the clinching game. This is what he did. He scored thirty points, guys. On 11 of 15 shooting from the field and uh, going 8 for 9 from the free throw line. He had 9 assists, 3 rebounds. This was his quote after the game. Finally, this is the first champagne I've ever had and it tastes mighty sweet. So, Oscar Robinson just taking it all in. The fact that his team is now... NBA champions so so uh, so he finally gets to the proverbial monkey off his back so uh, and they end up winning the championship his following two seasons pretty 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 good uh, 1979-72 the team goes 63-19 and which is first in the Midwest Division. 1972-73, they go 60-22. and 22, And that's first in the Midwest, the, um, Midwest Division. They lost, however, to the eventual champs, the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, four games to two. And then in the 1972-73 season, they lost to Golden State in the Western Conference semis, four games to two. So, so some playoff success, not not the type where you know they make it to the NBA Finals per se, but uh, still they give it a good run. And then in those two seasons, Oscar, uh, here's his numbers. 1971-72, only 64 games played, 17.4 points per game, 7.7 assists, 5 rebounds. He shot at 47.2% from the field, 83.6% from the free throw line. Uh, again, none of the numbers, uh, they didn't go with the rankings because he was short of games. And... Actually, in 1971-72 was the last of his all-star appearances. He appeared in 12 straight guys. So, And then in the 1972-73 season, 73 games played, 15.5 points per game, 7.5 assists. That was fourth in the league. Nearly five rebounds, 45.4% from the field. 
and 84.7% from the free throw line. And that's 12th. So, so the bloom is starting to come a bit off the rolls for Oscar Robinson. But the team is still having success. So, In the 1973-74 season, which would end up being his last season, guys. The team goes 59-23. and 23. That's first in the Midwest. They beat the Lakers and Chicago in the, the Western Conference semis and then in the Western Conference finals. But they lost, however, to Boston in the finals four games to three. And this was a series, mind you, that they had home court advantage. And they lost that seventh game to Boston. So, for the season, Oscar goes 70 games, 12.7 points per game, 6.4 assists, 4 rebounds, 43.8% from the field, and 83.5% from the free throw line. So, so, kind of a bittersweet end for Oscar Robinson. But, I mean, they did get all the way to the finals. They just couldn't get the brass ring. So, so after the season, Oscar decided to retire from his playing career in basketball. So, his career numbers, here's how they look, guys. Um... He averaged 42.2 minutes per game, so he was a guy who you barely took out of the game. His career averages 25.7 points, 9.5 assists, 7.5 rebounds, 48.5% from the field goal range, and 83.8% from the free throw line, so... He played in no lower than 64 games in a season, guys. And again, as I said, assists were recorded differently than now, and I explained why that was. So, And this is Oscar's quote on him closing out his career. I've done the best that I could. I've accomplished everything I could have hoped for. It was fun while it lasted. So... Uh, poignant words from Oscar Robinson. So let's talk about post-basketball, shall we? And in his his life after his playing career, he Oscar always remained close to the game, guys. And let's double back to the lawsuit. Remember the lawsuit I talked about in the previous episode? One that he filed against the league? Well... Uh, there, there was a decision rendered in 1976, and what is known now as the Oscar Robinson Rule, it played a major part in shifting the balance of power more towards the players. The ruling also opened the door for unrestricted free agency. That's the big win there. It allowed drafted players the ability to sit out a year and to re-enter the draft as opposed to signing with the team that drafted them. It also created first of 
right of first refusal and compensation rules towards player movement. It also prevented the NBA ABA merger from happening for four years, so they they were able to hold them off for four years. Um, they actually were starting to uh, speak about merging in 1972, but thanks to this lawsuit, they were unable to do so. It also opened the door for Major League Baseball and the NFL to pursue similar suits in their respective leagues. And so, definitely he played a major role in what's going on today, the way the players are getting paid. There was many that thought that this would ruin the game, actually. and In fact, it enhanced the game. So, so there's that. And also, Oscar later joined another class action lawsuit, but this time against the NCAA. And this was the famous um, O'Bannon versus the NCAA. Ed O'Bannon sued the NCAA. And this is for the use of player likenesses. So this, this is another huge case here. And then Oscar, you know, put, it, put himself in this suit as well. So Oscar making differences in the NBA and the NCAA, which they actually, um, this rule here, actually became the Ed O'Bannon rule. So, but Oscar instrumental in being a part of this one as well. Also, he was, Oscar was one of the founding five uh, members of the National Basketball Retired Players Association. And this was formed in 1992. This was formed along with the other founders were Archie Clark, a point guard who he played for several teams, including the Lakers and the Baltimore Bullets. Dave Bing, a point guard who was uh, part of the Detroit Pistons. He's known for being Detroit Piston, in fact. Dave DeBusha, who was a one-time Piston, and one time Nick, more famously known for being that last puzzle piece piece for the Knicks to win their two championships. And the last member is Dave Cowens of Boston Celtic fame. And then later he goes on to Milwaukee, uh, the fine center there. So, so these are the guys who are the founding members of the National Basketball Retire players association so they so they um and then what they did was they got together with a lawyer named dennis coleman who helped them form this this association into a non-profit 501 c3 in new york and that paved the way for the nba and the aba to be contributors to this organization so that was how they able to keep it afloat now the NBA and MBPA can pour money into it to help players you know after basketball is done so 
Um, so this is a good thing. He also had a brief stint as a color commentator with Brent Musburger on televised games in 1974-75 season. So, man, <laughs> Brent Musburger's been around a while, guys, man. You still hear him being talked about, but I don't know if he does games anymore. But, um, in fact, I think he's gone to concentrate on uh, legalized gambling. So, that's just holding up a thing anyhow and then later he would be a color commentator with hot rod hunley on broadcast for tbs and this is in the 1988-89 season so oscar also became a renowned businessman after basketball and he's been part of scholarship funds uh in fact, he formed a scholarship fund in his and his wife's name to help both Indianapolis and the University of Cincinnati underprivileged students. So, uh, so Oscar, looking back, uh, reaching back, you know, as as someone who came up, you know, underprivileged himself, he's going back to help others. So he's also also was involved in many charitable organizations such as the Boys Club of New York, the NBA Legends Foundation, the National Kidney Foundation, and the International Prostate Cancer Foundation, and many more, too many to name. And what and what is what I at least deem as the greatest assist of his life he donated a kidney to his daughter, Tia, who had lupus and was in need of a transplant. And Oscar just attributed doing this to just the father helping his daughter out. And this was done in 1997. I remember the story clearly. I was like, wow, Whew, man, you talk about sacrifice, but you know. He did it for the one he loves, so um, so definitely kudos to there for him there. He was also outspoken about his own health battles, including his his battle with prostate cancer, and he wanted to help others in the struggle. So this occurred in 2012, where he uh, brought it out in the open, guys. So which is why. He's involved with both the National Kidney Foundation and the International Prostate Cancer Foundation as well. And also, guys, he was among a group of business investors in placing an initiative for the legalization of marijuana. This was back in 2015, so Oscar was trying to get ahead of the, ahead of the pack with this. Although the measure didn't go through, it got voted down. They're trying to get it back on the ballot again for November of 2023. So, and you already have state steps legalized it. So perhaps, perhaps it'll get voted in come this year. So we'll see what happens there. But Oscar with the foresight and seeing what's going on with the marijuana industry right now, you know, for medicinal use, of course. So he's trying to get ahead of the pack with that. So 
So, guys, that's Oscar's post-basketball life. So, let's talk about the accolades, shall we? Uh, quite a few here, guys. So, let's get into it. Let's start with high school. He was named Mr. Basketball. Actually, I mentioned a couple of these already, but um, he was named Mr. Basketball USA. So, this is Mr. Basketball for the entire country. This was in 1956. And then in college, during his time as a Bearcat at the University of Cincinnati, three-time first-team All-Missouri Valley Conference. So he did that from 1958 through 60. Three-time scoring champ for the entire NCAA. And he's the first player to ever do so. To lead the entire country in scoring three years in a row. Three-time consensus first-team All-American. Three-time Sporting News College Player of the Year. Three-time UPI College Player of the Year. Two-time USBWA College Player of the Year. That's United States Basketball Writers Association. And he did that in 1959-56. Oh, well, I'll get to that a little later. Two-time Helms College Player of the Year. And he did that in 1959-60 as well. Now let's turn to the NBA and what he did there. Oh, before we leave college, his college jersey, the number 12, retired in 1960. In fact, they even wait, guys. They said, you know what, after his last game, let's retire this man's jersey. And he's one of three uh, Bearcats to have their jersey retired. The other is Jack Twyman. And the, sec the third person is Kenyon Martin. Kenyon Martin. Um, man, I need to do one on him one day. He, he was phenomenal at uh, University of Cincinnati. But I digress. Anyway, so... That's college. Let's turn to the pros. NBA Rookie of the Year. I mentioned that. 1960-61 season. He won it there. He led the league in assists six times, guys. Six times. And he did it in six of his first eight seasons, guys. So, uh, talk about making an immediate impact there. 11-time All-Star. No, no. I'm sorry. 11-time All-NBA. He was a 9-time nine, first-teamer, 2-time second-team All-NBA. 12-time All-Star. And in those 12 All-Star appearances, he won three MVPs, guys. I mentioned the one his rookie season, uh, the year that he won MVP, 1993-94. And then... In 1969, he won it then. So he was a NBA MVP in 1964. Again, um, lasting through uh, around the time where Bill Russell was winning it, and if he wasn't winning it, it was Wilt Chamberlain. So uh, Oscar coming through with his own MVP there. NBA champion, we discussed that. 1970-71 uh, season, 
they were able to do that. Um, both jerseys, his jersey in Milwaukee, his number one, retired in 1974. He's the First player to have his jersey retired in Milwaukee. And then his his number 14 jersey retired in 2003 by the Sacramento Kings. Remember the Cincinnati Royals. They moved from Cincinnati to Kansas City. Then from Kansas City, they moved to Sacramento. So... And he is the third player to do so. Well, the third jersey to be retired and the second player to do so. For some reason, they retired the fans. The uh, fan jersey. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so, so he is the second player to do so. He was named to the 35th NBA anniversary team in 1980. He then... In 1996, he was named to the 50th anniversary team. And then in 2021, he was named to the 75th anniversary team. So, when Oscar retired from basketball, he was number one in career assists and in free throws made. Also, he was second in career points behind Wilt Chamberlain, and he was first in triple doubles with 181 triple doubles. So, all right, more accolades, guys. He was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 1980, and then his his Summer Olympic team of 1960 they were inducted in. 30 years later in 2010. So. So. Uh, he's in there. Twice. Also. He was inducted into the Indiana. Basketball Hall of Fame in 1982. And then in the Wisconsin. Athletic Hall of Fame. In 1995. The. USBWA Award which is giving to the most outstanding college player, is now named the Oscar Robinson Award. And they changed that over in 1998. So, so that award now bears the name of Oscar Robinson. A bronze statue. A bronze statue was erected in his likeness in 1998. At the University of Cincinnati. And it was later moved. To their new arena. In 2006. So. so um, Oscar Robinson, Robinson. Immortalized. At his alma mater. Also. He was named. Player of the century. By. The National Association of Basketball Coaches. In 2000. And. He was. Also named by. Sports Illustrated. As one of the athletes of the century. And that was in 1999. 
He's one of the founding inducted members of the first class of the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame. And that was in 2006. That's when that happened. And then he was inducted into the FIBA Hall of Fame in 2009. He's one of 15 named to the top all-time March Madness players. The top 15 all-time March Madness players. And this occurred in 2013. He had he had the league's only triple-double season again in 1961-62 until 55 years later when the Oklahoma City Thunders Russell Westbrook became the second player to do so. And he did that in 2016-17 season. And actually there's a video out where Oscar Robinson actually had a sit down with Russell Westbrook. And I mean he was beaming with joy for he was happy for him. He was so happy for Westbrook that he was able to accomplish that. And it it makes me think about Kareem and LeBron. The fact that LeBron actually just overtook him. I, I'm going to do a episode on that as well. So, But um, yeah, it would be cool if Kareem could sit down across from LeBron and have a little video, something like that. I think that'd be cool. But, um, but this was a nice moment. This was a nice moment um, when they had that sit down. It's on YouTube to, if you search it. But it, it was pretty nice, I thought. So, And then the final thing is he received the NBA Lifetime Achievement Award in 2018, guys. So, Oscar Robinson celebrated for his great work as far as basketball goes throughout his college, international, and pro career, as well as high school, of course. So, now let's talk about what others say about him. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, he wrote a nice letter about two years ago, just before the Milwaukee Bucks won the championship. It was pretty, pretty cool letter, I thought. Um, just highlighting how the Bucks need to go and seal the deal and win the championship. Um, no, I got time. I, I can read it. So this is the letter that he wrote to the fans and the players. Dear Bucks fans and players, it's been 50 years coming, 50 long years, and it's down to two games. So it was just before they actually won. I'll be honest, it makes me me reflect. When we won back in 1971, it was a big deal. For me especially, because it took over 10 years in the league to get to that moment. I called my wife. That's what I remember from that night. She's been with me through it all since I was drafted in 1960. In fact, in fact, and so she'd seen me accept a lot of criticism. You see, I was a star player, 
11-time All-NBA, but I didn't have a championship. So certain people denied me a level of credibility. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oscar Robertson has done this and that, but he hasn't won anything yet. That was a negative opinion towards me at the time. If I wanted to change that opinion, I knew what I had to do. When we had our chance, we didn't fool around that night. There were no shenanigans and whatnot. If someone made a basket, they didn't scream like it was the greatest thing in the world. We just didn't do those things. We got down to business. We stuck to fundamentals. We won a championship for the city of Milwaukee. There were thousands of people waiting for us when we flew back home. I mean, imagine that. Thousands of people. I couldn't even tell you how many thousands. Everybody just cheering and yelling. It was a great sight to see. I went home and my neighbors, the priesters, were the very were very good neighbors, had put up signs between my house and theirs. Go Bucks, go Oscar, that sort of thing. It was a tremendous moment. Real nice times. When I look back on that season, I think about how it was a total team effort. You need a strong starting five, but you also need some help off, help off the bench to be able to win these championships. With us, it wasn't just a couple of guys. They, they made the right trades and went out and got us some veteran players. McCoy, McLemore, Bob Boozer, Lucius Allen. Add to our group already in place with Kareem, Dandridge, McLaughlin, and myself, and we were tough to beat. And now, 50 years later, these Bucks are in the same spot we were in. I tell you, it's been a pleasure getting to watch this team. Giannis is a great athlete. He's fantastic with the basketball. He's quick. You know, one stride like his is like two of yours. They have Holiday in the backcourt. I think that makes a big difference for them. He obviously had the pass in Game 5, snatching it away from Booker in the timing of getting it to Giannis. It was a very competitive play. But it's not just Giannis and Holiday and Chris Middleton that have to win this. Though those boys are great. It's going to take Portis Jr. and Conaghan and Brooke Lopez also. You have to have those type of players to step in and get you some buckets. You have to play a fundamental, simple basketball game. That's how we won it in 1971. And that's how these Bucks will win it, win it if they just use their heads. That's all it takes. 48 minutes of good basketball. I hope it doesn't get lost how momentous this is for the Bucks to even be in this position. It's very, very difficult in this day and age for small franchises to compete. Look at all the guys jumping to Los Angeles, Miami, New York. But you don't have a lot of talk about players going to small markets. You just don't have that. Now, Milwaukee has kept Giannis. It's a great thing for this game. And I'll say this. If the Oscar Robinson rule has had anything to do with these players getting what they deserve, I'm happy for it. Years ago, the owners had all the power. 
Only owners could initiate trades. Sometimes a player didn't want to go to certain teams or cities, and they shouldn't if they don't want to go there. But now LeBron goes to Miami and comes back to Cleveland. Then he goes to the Lakers. Kawhi goes from San Antonio to Toronto to the Clippers. Kevin Garnett go, went to the Celtics and won a ring. What I'm getting at is the players are becoming more on par with the owners as business people. And that's moving the game forward. It's helping to make this game what it is today. And I'm so proud of that. Back in my day, we had no idea that this would be the outcome of all our efforts with the Player Association. We just wanted better conditions for players. We wanted a better life for basketball players than what we had. And look around. What this league has become is bigger than we ever could have imagined. This is why I always say that I think every athlete, black or white, should read the, about the history of their sport. Who came before me? How did we get there? How did we get here? Those are good questions to ask. It's good to learn about the game's pioneers. And what's interesting is there are all d different kinds of pioneers. I was out front with a lot of others. But several came before me. Several came after me as well. And I'll tell you another thing. Several pioneers are playing right now to make this the great game that it is today and will be tomorrow. With all of that said, some last words of advice from an old vet. To the players of this Bucks team, think about where you are. Think about it. Really savor it. And play hard. I mean harder than you ever played. Because life goes by. You may not get here again. And to the Bucks fans, 50 years is a long time. Believe me, I know. But we're at the doorstep of history once again. Let's bring this home. This was a cool letter, man. He wrote this in the Players' Tribune. And I happened to find it online. I said, you know what? Let me print this out. So, this was a very nice letter for him to write. So, uh, kudos to Oscar Robinson, who still loves the game, as you can tell from that letter. And he's right about... Uh, the young guys learning about the pioneers of the game. And that's the reason I have this podcast, to be honest with you. Um, because we tend to forget the guys from yesteryear. And, you know, they're, what they contributed to the game. So this this is why this platform is here, guys. To keep people informed of that. Of course, we're going to talk about what's going on in the current NBA. You know, that's a given. But... To hark back and talk about guys of old, that's really what I cherish the most about this podcast. So, uh, with that said, let me do the um, segment I like to call what others say about him or her in that case. And we'll start with his teammate, Wayne Embry. I think he's probably the best player to ever play the game. That's Wayne Embry, his teammate from the Chicago Royals. Oscar is an incomparable star. He's also a thoughtful man and a man of vision. If you want insight into what formed Oscar in the crucial years of his youth, look here. 
It's a great book. And this is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he's talking about Oscar Robinson's autobiography, um, The Big O, My Life, My Times, My Game. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, he wrote two books, The Autobiography and then another book, The Art of the Game. He wrote that, I want to say, in 1998, where he talked about the fundamentals of the game in that book. And this book, obviously, is about his life, so... So add that amongst the things he did after basketball. Let's continue on. Oscar Robinson was never a rookie. He was the measuring stick of how a player should play. It is an honor to know him and to have competed against him. He's a man of the ages. And this is from Jerry West, a contemporary of his, as well as his teammate on that Olympic, Summer Olympic team of 1960 that won the gold and this is what else Oscar had to say when I look back on my career Oscar was the best player I played against period that's from Jerry West so every time I get on the court I'm chasing Oscar Robinson's legend he set the standard for guys like me I can only hope when I'm done playing that I've come close to what he accomplished. And this is from Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd of Dallas fame, of play with Phoenix, with the New Jersey Nets as well. Hall of Famer in his own right. Oscar was one of the one of basketball's great leaders, and his life is one of basketball's great stories. He was unafraid, unabashed, and unmatched in everything he did. There will, be, there will never be another like him. And this is from the late Bill Russell, who talked about Oscar Robinson, who he played with on a few all-star games and competed against. So, so a contemporary nonetheless. Okay. Here's more quotes. He was the Michael Jordan of his day in a lot of ways. Oh, this is part of his quote as well. Oscar was the best player I've ever played against. He had no weakness. I have it here, but I don't have who, who said it. Okay. <laughs> uh Oscar was the Michael Jordan of his day in a lot of ways. And that's from Coach Red Arback, of course, of the Boston Celtics. He averaged a triple-double for a whole season. I can never compare to that. I really found out how good Oscar was when I was trying to accomplish the same feats he did. That's from Magic Johnson. That's who. Oh, I'm sorry. That quote was from John Havlicek. Um... Oscar was the best player I played against. He had no weakness. John Havlicek said that of the Boston Celtics. I was trying to remember. I know I wrote it down, but I was trying to attribute it to who. He knew exactly where he wanted to go, and he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And you still couldn't stop him. That's greatness. And that's from Lou Carnesecca, uh, coach, coach of... St. John's back in the day. Uh, that was his quote about him. 
He was hell man because he could manipulate wherever he wanted to go. He didn't try to beat you with quickness. He just overwhelmed you. Methodically back you where he wanted to take you and jump right over you. And that's from the great Walt Clyde Frazier, a contemporary of his. He would give his own players hell. He'd give the officials hell. I mean, he was out to win every night. And I liked his competitive spirit. And that's from the captain, Willis Reed. Oscar was a general in every sense. And in the best sense. And the worst sense sometimes. Players were afraid of him. As much as they respected him, they were also afraid of him. And this is from David Aldridge. uh, NBA columnist who covered the league for many, many years. I hated him because he kept yelling at me to get him the ball. And that's from Norm Van Leer, who was a one-time teammate of Oscar Robinson's. Oscar was a big man with the moves of a really tremendous little man. And that's from Bill Sharman of the Boston Celtics. And this is the last quote. This is from his teammate. Jerry Lucas. He was a he was obviously he obviously was unbelievable. Way ahead of his time. There is no more complete player than Oscar. And that's from Jerry Lucas. So So with that said guys, that's gonna do it for this episode here. Oscar Robinson, we salute you for all that you've done for the league. In so many ways, not just on the court, but off it, how the Oscar Robinson rule that was set in place has really changed the game. Not just the game of basketball, it's also changed baseball and football as well. So we salute you, man. We salute all that you've done. When I think about what you did for your own daughter, even, I mean, that, that, that just speaks volumes. That speaks even greater volumes than what you did on the court. But that was tr- so tremendous. So, Oscar Robinson, we just salute you, man. Uh, we thank you for what you brought to the game. And we're glad to still have you among us. And you're able to still receive your flowers, man, because you deserve it. So, kudos to you, man. I salute Alright guys, so that is it for this episode. Um, Guys, we're halfway through the special Black History Month player spotlights. I got two more left on deck, so I'll get those to you as well. As well as the other episodes, All-Star and all the trade. Now that the trade, um, all the trades have subsided now we'll talk about the rest of those all of that and more so once again guys i thank you for listening and of course leave a review guys leave it on my website all things basketball with gd.com on my on my apple podcast you can leave it there as well on youtube you can leave it there also so all right guys so i'm going to cut it off here uh once again i thank you for listening As always, much appreciated, and we'll talk soon. Take care.
So, my peeps, if you like what you're listening to, you can go to my website, www.allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You can also email me at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. To support this podcast, you can go to my PayPal, and that email is thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. Also on my Anchor page, I have a support button there that you can also use to help the podcast. I'm on all the major platforms like Anchor, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon, SoundCloud, YouTube, CastBox, Radio Public, Podchaser, just to name a few. And also you can find me on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, and Fanbase. So, once again, I thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. And take care and be safe.